Welcome to the Tiny Feet Fertility Podcast. This show is your guide to finding and healing the root causes of infertility. I'm Kristen Cornett, a functional nutritional therapy practitioner, neural retraining specialist, and the owner of the online fertility platform, Tiny Feet. I help couples build their families through a functional medicine approach to health and fertility. My mission is to help you find the true why behind your infertility and then guide you through the process of restoring your body's innate ability to conceive and carry a healthy baby. You can learn more about me on my website by visiting tinyfeet.co. Welcome back to episode three of the Tiny Feet Fertility Podcast. This week, I'm going to be talking about how to tell whether you have a fertile menstrual cycle. I'll kick off the episode talking about what I mean by a fertile cycle and go into the basics of how your cycle is designed to work and what happens in each phase of a healthy cycle to support a successful conception. I'll also talk about different ways that you can evaluate the health of your cycle, including tracking your fertile signs, looking at symptoms, and using testing to determine whether you need support in this area. This episode is going to be more focused on the mechanics of the cycle and how to track and assess it for fertility purposes. And then in the next episode, I'm going to go more into specific types of hormone imbalances and their symptoms so that you can get a better idea of what type of hormone imbalance you might be experiencing based on your symptom profile. And then we'll also talk about hormone testing in that episode, which we'll also cover a little bit this week, but this is mostly based on tracking and evaluating your cycle. As a reminder, please make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. And please also consider leaving a review so more people can find the show. I also have some great free downloads for you that can help move you forward on your fertility journey, and you can find links to the Are You Healthy Enough to Get Pregnant quiz and the five-step fertility recovery guide in this week's episode description. So let's jump into today's content, and I'm going to start by talking about what I mean by a fertile menstrual cycle. So optimal fertility requires a few things to be happening in the body each month to ensure that a pregnancy is possible. So first off, you need to have sufficient estrogen production to grow and mature a healthy egg cell, build up your uterine lining, and produce enough cervical mucus to help transport sperm throughout the reproductive tract. You also need to actually ovulate, meaning truly release a healthy mature egg cell from an ovarian follicle. And you need sufficient progesterone production to further prepare your uterine lining for a successful implantation and keep an early pregnancy viable until the growing placenta can take over progesterone production. Of course, there's also a male side of this equation, and we will definitely get into sperm health in a future episode, but today is going to be focused on the female mechanics and the menstrual cycle. Now, I really want to teach you guys how you can start tuning into your cycle to determine whether each of these important fertility prerequisites is actually happening and whether you might need additional investigation or support for your cycle. So let's start by getting a little bit deeper into how your cycle works. Now, there are technically four phases of the menstrual cycle, and some of these overlap with each other, but each one needs to be working well in order to support your fertility. Now, menstruation is the first phase. This is also known as your period, and it generally lasts about three to seven days. The follicular phase, which includes the menstrual phase, starts on the first day of your period and usually lasts between 12 and 16 days up until ovulation. 
The ovulation phase occurs at the end of the follicular phase and includes the specific hormonal events that need to happen in order to release an egg from a mature ovarian follicle into the fallopian tube. This ovulation phase usually lasts about two days. And then lastly, we have the luteal phase, which begins on the first day after ovulation occurs and generally lasts about 12 to 14 days until the start of your next menstruation and your next follicular phase. On average, a healthy cycle lasts roughly 28 days, but can range between 26 and 32 days. So if your cycle length is falling outside of that 26 to 32 day range, then you're likely dealing with some imbalances in hormones that might be impacting one or more of these four phases. And we'll talk more about how to identify and address those imbalances later on. Now, these phases are managed by an intricate interaction of different hormones, including the pituitary hormones, FSH and LH, and our primary sex hormones, estrogen and progesterone. Just before menstruation, at the end of the previous cycle, FSH will start to rise, and this is going to signal the shedding of the uterine lining during the menstruation phase. FSH is going to continue to rise during the follicular phase, which stimulates the growth of ovarian follicles that contain maturing egg cells. After about seven days, a dominant follicle out of this batch of follicles is chosen, and this is the one that's going to continue to grow rapidly in preparation for ovulation, while the other follicles will die out and be reabsorbed by the body. During the next seven days after this dominant follicle is chosen, the dominant follicle is going to start producing increasing amounts of estrogen, and this is going to cause a couple of things to happen. So it's going to cause an increase in cervical mucus production, and this is going to help keep sperm alive inside the body and help transport them through the uterus and fallopian tubes for fertilization. This rise in estrogen also thickens the uterine lining in preparation for a possible implantation of a fertilized egg later on in the cycle. And this estrogen production is going to peak about two days before ovulation, and this peak is going to trigger a surge of LH pituitary hormone, which then causes estrogen to drop rapidly and signals the release of the egg cell from the dominant follicle. Now, these events with the estrogen peak, the LH surge, and the release of an egg from the dominant follicle happen during that two-day ovulatory phase. Now, once ovulation has occurred, we start the luteal phase, which is where the follicle that has just ovulated, our healthy mature egg cell, transforms into a new structure called the corpus luteum, and the corpus luteum begins producing increasing amounts of progesterone. Progesterone is our progestation hormone, and it helps build up and further prepare the uterine lining for implantation of a fertilized egg. Now, during this time, our egg cell is traveling down the fallopian tube, waiting to be met and fertilized by a successful sperm cell. And if this happens, the resulting embryo is going to continue to travel toward the uterus and then implant in that nice, plushy, healthy uterine lining that progesterone has helped to prepare and maintain. Now, if fertilization doesn't occur, the corpus luteum will die out and stop producing progesterone within 12 to 14 days after ovulation. When progesterone levels drop, FSH is going to start to rise, and then that new menstrual phase will begin with the shedding of the uterine lining, and you'll be in your next cycle. 
So this is a complex process and there's a lot of pieces that need to come together in the right way at the right time to achieve and maintain a successful pregnancy. So as a recap, we need balanced amounts of hormones being produced and released by both the brain and the ovaries to make sure that we can develop and release a mature egg from a healthy dominant follicle, as well as have enough cervical mucus to support the vitality and transport of sperm through the female reproductive tract for fertilization. We need to be able to build a healthy and mature uterine lining that can support and nurture an embryo and also produce enough progesterone to keep a new pregnancy going until the developing placenta can take over. There are several things and places uh, that things can go wrong in this process and knowing how to assess your cycle health in different ways can help you determine whether you might have an issue that could be affecting your fertility and may need further investigation. So let's talk about what a healthy cycle should look and feel like. Obviously, we just talked about all the different mechanics and what's happening in each phase. But in terms of how this translates into what you experience during your cycle, this should look like four to six days of menstrual flow, starting with a day or two of light to medium flow, moving to maybe two, one to two days of heavy flow, and then another day or two of medium or light flow. And you shouldn't ideally have more than one day of spotting before your menstruation begins or one day of spotting, more than one day of spotting after it ends. You should be experiencing little to no cramping, pain, or other uncomfortable symptoms during your menstruation. You should have cervical mucus beginning about five days before ovulation. This will start out with more of a creamy consistency like white hand lotion and then move into a raw egg white consistency just before ovulation and then move back to creamy white hand lotion for maybe a day and then go dry. We'll talk more about cervical mucus as well as the next indicator in a little bit. So if you happen to be tracking your basal body temperature or your LH, You should get a clear LH surge before ovulation. That should line up with your cervical mucus production. And you should see a clear and obvious basal body temperature spike after ovulation. You should have a follicular phase that lasts about 12 to 16 days and a luteal phase that lasts at least 12 days, ideally a full 14 days. You should have minimal symptoms during the luteal phase and leading up to menstruation. So you shouldn't have things like excessive mood swings or PMS, bloating, constipation, or diarrhea, breast tenderness, cramping, spotting, fatigue, acne, headaches, or migraines, night sweats, etc. Any of those symptoms that you are experiencing on a regular basis during that luteal phase leading up to menstruation is an indication that something is off with your cycle and likely your hormones. And then again, you should have a total cycle length of between 26 and 32 days. Now, in order to understand whether you fall into the ideal range for some of these cycle parameters, you need to be able to observe, track, and chart your cycle using your body's primary fertile signs. So fertile signs are observable changes in your body that help you determine where you are in your menstrual cycle, what days during the month you're fertile and able to conceive, the length of your follicular and luteal phases, and whether you're actually releasing an egg every month for ovulation. And you can also tell based on these fertile signs whether you might have some issues that warrant further investigation with hormone testing or other medical care. So when we talk about tracking and charting your cycle using fertile signs, 
we're talking about three things. And many of you have probably heard of some of these, but I want to make sure we cover them in this episode so that you have a good base for when you're tracking your cycle. So the first thing is your basal body temperature. And basal body temperature is defined as your lowest body temperature at rest on a given day. The next fertile sign is your cervical mucus. This is the fluid that's produced inside your cervix that helps keep sperm alive and transports them into the uterus and fallopian tubes to facilitate fertilization. And your third fertile sign is your cervical position. This is the height and feel of your cervix, which changes significantly in the few days surrounding ovulation. So let's go a little bit deeper into each one of these fertile signs and how they help us track the cycle. So basal body temperature is lower in the follicular phase and then should rise steeply and significantly after ovulation. And this happens due to the influence of progesterone production on our metabolic rate. So progesterone increases metabolic rate, which increases temperature. So this is a good way to tell whether or not our body has actually released an egg since until we ovulate, we don't produce significant amounts of progesterone. So basal body temperature in the follicular phase should be between 97 and 98 degrees and should rise about a half to a full degree within about a day or so of ovulation. And then it should stay relatively steady at that increased level for the next 12 days until maybe one to two days before the start of the next cycle. So this fertile sign, again, helps confirm that ovulation has occurred and helps us determine the length of our follicular and luteal phases in each cycle. It can also be an indicator of other health issues that might impact fertility, such as a thyroid problem or HPA axis dysfunction with low thyroid function or nervous system dysregulation and HPA axis issues. We often see a low basal body temperature throughout the follicular phase. Next, we have our cervical mucus, which is produced in the cervix, which is the narrow opening that separates the uterus from the vagina. Mucus is produced when estrogen begins to rise significantly, and this is going to happen about five days before ovulation occurs. Now, you're considered fertile on any of the days leading up to ovulation that you're producing cervical mucus, and there are two types of fertile mucus. The first has a creamy consistency, which usually looks a bit like white hand lotion, and the second and more fertile type of mucus has a consistency similar to raw egg whites. It's usually clear, and it can stretch several inches between your fingers. While both types of mucus are fertile, your egg white mucus is considered peak mucus, meaning that you are most fertile on the days when you have that egg white mucus. Tracking cervical mucus can help you determine when your body is gearing up to ovulate, and this can help you time sex to increase your chances of conceiving. And it's also an important indicator of whether you're producing sufficient amounts of estrogen in your follicular phase. So if you don't have, if you don't notice any cervical mucus or you don't notice very much, it can be a sign of a hormone imbalance, such as low estrogen. It can also be a sign of maybe some microbiome imbalances in the reproductive tract. So that's another consideration. Now your cervical position refers to the height and relative softness of your cervix. During the days leading up to ovulation, your cervix will change from low in the vagina, firm 
and closed to more of a high in the vagina, soft and open, which is another indicator that ovulation is imminent. So after ovulation, it shifts back to that low, firm and closed position. Now, when you're tracking your fertile signs, your basal body temperature and your cervical mucus are going to be your primary indicators to determine when ovulation is coming and whether it's occurred. And then cervical position can be used as a secondary sign to help support your conclusion of when you're ovulating. So let's talk about the basics of how to track and chart your menstrual cycle. There can be a lot of nuance to charting, so not everything that you need to know about this entire topic is going to be in this episode, but I'm going to share the mechanics of it, and then you can check out some additional resources to learn more if you need more support. So additional resources that I highly recommend are the Fertility Friday podcast. That's run by Lisa Hendrickson-Jack. She's amazing. She's wonderful. She is so knowledgeable. She wrote a book called The Fifth Vital Sign, which is all about the menstrual cycle and goes into each of these fertile signs in a lot of depth. And she also has a uh, a fertility charting workbook that goes along with that fifth vital sign book. Highly recommend those resources to learn a little bit more. So let's go into how to track each of these fertile signs, starting with your basal body temperature. So to track BBT, you will need a digital thermometer that measures up to two decimal points. And then to get consistent and accurate BBT readings, you really need to commit to taking your temperature around the same time each morning. So you should be at least within a two hour window each day that you're taking your temperature. You can temp either orally, which is what most women choose. You can temp axillary, which is through the armpit, or you can also temp vaginally. But whichever method you choose, you want to make sure that you keep your thermometer right by your bed and that you measure your temperature immediately upon waking each morning. So this is before you move around a bunch in bed, definitely before you get up, you need to be measuring your BBT to make sure that you get accurate readings. And then for increased accuracy, keep your thermometer in place for at least five minutes before you turn it on and record your temperature. This will give you more consistency in your temperature readings as well as accuracy. Now, there are some factors that might cause your temperature on any given day to be above or below what's normal for that time period in your cycle. So this can include things like stress, illness, alcohol consumption, travel, especially if you're moving between time zones, and anything that increases inflammation in your body. And a big one that I see a lot is food sensitivities. So for example, I might normally have a BBT reading in the mid 97s during my follicular phase, but maybe I wake up one day, maybe it's cycle day seven, and I get a temperature that's in the low to mid 98s. Does that mean I've ovulated? No, most likely not, especially if that doesn't line up with cervical mucus production. It's too early in the cycle. That's not normal for me. But after thinking about it, I realized that I did something the prior day that might have increased my temperature. So I ate a food I knew I was sensitive to. For me, this could be dairy, or maybe I had a glass of wine the day before. So I just make a note of that on my chart that that temperature was unusual and why I think it was unusual. Next for tracking is your cervical mucus. So in a healthy balance cycle, you will start noticing cervical mucus about five days before you ovulate. 
to track your mucus, you just simply check for it each time you use the bathroom before you actually go. And you just wipe front to back across your vulva with a flat folded piece of toilet paper. And on non-mucus days or non-fertile days, you'll notice a dry or smooth sensation when you wipe and nothing should be left on the toilet paper that you could pick up or stretch between your fingers. On mucus days, you'll notice a different sensation. So it's going to be like slick or lubricative when you wipe. You may see mucus on the toilet paper that you can actually pick up and rub or stretch between your fingers. And then mucus days will usually start with what we call that non-peak mucus. So again, this is going to be a cloudy or white color mucus that has the consistency of creamy hand lotion. And then as you get closer to ovulation, when those estrogen levels are surging, you should have one to two days of what we call that peak fertile mucus. Again, that's typically clear in color and has the consistency of raw egg whites. And you will be able to stretch this type of mucus a few inches between your fingers. Any day that you have either one of these types of mucus prior to ovulation is considered a fertile day. In other words, a day that you could possibly become pregnant if you had sex. And when you're trying to conceive, you want to aim for having sex on those peak mucus days, but you can still have sex anytime you have fertile mucus and potentially become pregnant. Now to confirm ovulation, you can use these first two fertile signs to pinpoint it. And you can confirm ovulation when you have done both of these things. So you have measured three consecutive normal temperatures that are higher than your previous six normal temperatures. And you notice a clear shift from mucus days to dry days. So you need both of those things present to confirm ovulation using your fertile signs. And then in addition to BBT and mucus, you can also use that cervical position as a secondary indicator to confirm those BBT and mucus observations. Now to track your cervical position, wash your hands and then insert a clean middle finger into the vagina, touch your cervix and notice what it feels like. You might have to squat to feel it if you don't notice that you feel it initially. When you're outside of your fertile window, your cervix is going to be lower down in your vagina and it's going to feel firm to the touch. During your fertile window, your cervix is going to feel higher up in the vagina. It's going to be softer to the touch and you may be able to feel a little dimple in the center, which indicates that the cervix is open. Now, after ovulation, you should notice a shift from high, soft, and open back down to low, firm, and closed. So let's talk about when you should start to become concerned about hormone imbalances or other issues that could be affecting your cycle when you're doing this tracking. So you should be concerned if you're not able to confirm ovulation after you've been properly and consistently tracking for three consecutive months. If you're noticing minimal or absent mucus in your cycle, even if you see a clear and obvious temperature shift to signal ovulation. So no mucus definitely indicates an issue. It's also a problem if you're experiencing mucus throughout your entire cycle, or maybe you're seeing mucus that is unusual. So if it's a weird color, like it's yellow or it's green, if the consistency is off, like it's really sticky or gummy or even really watery or thin, Or of course, if it's foul smelling, if it smells bad in any way, that can be an indication of a microbiome imbalance or an infection. 
There is also likely an issue happening if your basal body temperature consistently falls below 97.5 Fahrenheit in the follicular phase. And I mentioned before two things that can cause that BBT to be really low, which would be a thyroid imbalance or an HPA axis or nervous system dysregulation issue. If you're noticing luteal phase temperatures, so the second half of your cycle, your temperature is dropping down more than two days before the start of the next cycle, that can be an indication of a hormone imbalance with progesterone. So low progesterone can cause temperature to drop early. If you are seeing a consistently later ovulation, meaning you're ovulating later than cycle day 16, or you're having a consistently shorter luteal phase, meaning there are less than 12 days between ovulation and the start of your next period, that is something that needs further investigation. And then finally, if you're having any bleeding or spotting that occurs outside of your normal period, this is an issue that requires additional investigation. So you shouldn't have more than one day of spotting before your period starts or after it ends. And there are some issues in addition to hormone imbalances that can cause this to happen and would definitely need some medical investigation. So this can include cysts, fibroids, polyps, infections, endometriosis, adenomyosis, these can all cause bleeding at unusual times in the cycle, including in the middle of the follicular phase, during ovulation, or in the middle of the luteal phase. All right, so let's move on now to talking about some of the different options that you have for how to keep track of this cycle data. So the first option that you have is paper charting or tracking in apps. And to be honest, I really do like for clients to get used to measuring and recording their own fertile signs rather than just relying on technology, because I think it teaches you a lot about your body. It helps build awareness of what's happening in your cycle and what outside factors could be impacting it. So how you record doesn't necessarily matter. You can record on a paper chart, like in Lisa's workbook that I mentioned earlier, or you can use Use an app like Glow, Kendara, Clue, Fertility Friend. There's tons of others on, on the market now. I just want to make sure that you guys know that if you do choose to use an app to record your data instead of a paper chart, make sure that you're not relying on the app's predictions, either predictions based on its own algorithm or predictions based on your data. You need to trust your own tracking. So use it mostly to record your data, not to rely on the predictions that come up in the app as a result of what you put in there. So you really need to be paying attention to your own body and what you know about tracking to ensure that you're getting the most out of this experience. And then you also have other tests and devices that you can use to track some of this data and get an idea of what's happening in your cycle. Um, there are LH strips. These are known as ovulation predictor kits. And this predicts when you're likely to ovulate based on the, the level of LH hormone in your urine. We know from our earlier discussion that this hormone surges one to two days before ovulation. And it's an indication that you are likely to release an egg within the next 36 hours uh, from a mature ovarian follicle. However, this does not confirm that you actually ovulate, and it is possible to have LH surge and have ovulation not occur. And because these strips don't give you a quantitative level of LH, you don't know exactly what's happening in the body, how significant that surge is, whether it's enough to signal ovulation. And there are also some medical conditions like PCOS that can impact the level of LH hormone circulating in the body and cause these tests to be inaccurate. 
Now you can also use urine-based tests that measure both LH and estrogen to give you a better sense of your whole fertile window. So the addition of estrogen in that test helps you to identify the days prior to ovulation when you could become pregnant. And these high fertility days that show up on testing should coincide with your cervical mucus production. So it's a good idea to still be tracking that as well. Another home testing option that I think is wonderful is called Prove Test. These are, again, urine-based home testing options. Prove first came out with a test only for pregnenodiol, which is a progesterone metabolite. And this test was designed to help women determine whether they were truly ovulating and whether they had sufficient luteal phase progesterone production to support a pregnancy. But Prove has expanded their testing options now. So they have several home testing options, including test strips that measure FSH, LH, and the E1G estrogen metabolite. And in combination, you can both predict and confirm ovulation each month with these test kits. I still recommend tracking BBT and cervical mucus to see how these tests are interacting and combining with your fertile signs each month. More data is better. So use both for sure. You also have some more technology-based solutions, such as things like OvuSense. This is a fertility tracker that's worn internally in the vagina at night, and it monitors your core body temperature while you sleep. They've also come out with a wristband option that tracks skin temperature, and that's also very similar to another tracking option, which is called an Ava bracelet. I used an Ava bracelet several years ago. I did find it helpful. It is a little different tracking skin temperature as opposed to charting basal body temperature, but Ava and these other uh, wearable options track more than that. They track other biological signs to help predict and confirm ovulation each month. I still recommend, you know, looking at your own fertile signs to see what's happening in your cycle. If you're using one of these options, because you can tell how accurate these methods are, how well they align with one another. And then another great home testing option is a Mira fertility tracker. I purchased this maybe a year ago, and I find the data really fascinating because it measures actual quantities of estrogen metabolites, LH, and progesterone in the urine. So this is probably one of the more accurate devices for tracking, and it can both detect your fertile days leading up to ovulation and confirm that you've ovulated. So this is similar to Prove, but it provides you with quantitative data that you can track and chart and, and get an idea of actual levels and how those change in different phases of your cycle, but also between cycles. But the biggest downside to some of these technology-based tracking options, including Mira, is that they are a bit pricier. So Mira is not only an an initial cost to purchase the analyzer, but then there's also the cost of the wands each month that are used with the analyzers. Now, Prove is also going to be an outlay of test strips every month, but you guys can compare the costs and figure out what's in your budget if you choose to use a non-paper charting uh, method for tracking your cycle. But as I said before, you can use multiple things. More data is better. And the more information you have, the more likely you are to be able to get an idea of what might be happening in your cycle and also have more data to give to a practitioner if you need to see somebody to work on your cycle and work on your fertility. And that brings me to a very short discussion on the next option for testing, which is doing conventional hormone testing or seeing somebody to do functional hormone testing. 
And this is something that I'm going to go into more in the next episode, which is going to be more based on what symptoms coincide with each type of hormone imbalance and how you can investigate those different hormone imbalances to see what might be going on. So we'll talk more about that next time, but just know there are conventional testing options. You can test your luteal phase progesterone. You can do um, your follicular phase estrogen early on in the cycle. You can also track via blood tests with estrogen and progesterone. It's a little pricey to do that. So functional testing tends to be a better option to look at multiple days of cycle data. Um, aside from conventional options, you also have functional options such as a Dutch hormone test. That is a urine-based test kit, and it's a, a deep dive into a functional look at hormones. And I'll talk more about Dutch in the next episode, but that's a fantastic option. That's what I use in my practice to investigate hormone issues with my clients. It's really helpful when clients come in with a little bit of cycle data, if they have you know, screenshots from their app or their Mira, or they can take pictures of their paper charts. It really gives me an idea of what's going on in the cycle. It can give me an idea of what hormone imbalances might be present, pairing that data with the symptoms that they tell me that they're having on their intake forms. And in our first discussion gives me a lot of basis to determine what testing option, if any, is appropriate going forward. So all of this stuff is really valuable. Combining methods is going to give you the most data and the most information. Again, we'll talk next week in the next episode about more hormone imbalance symptoms and testing options. But I also want to mention that this information is something that I really go into in depth in the functional fertility healing course, which is coming out very soon. I'm very excited to release this for you guys. Uh, cycle tracking and hormone assessment is module two of that course. And uh, there's going to be a lot of really great resources and information to help you more depth on what we talked about today, more depth on what we're going to talk about in the next episode, and then a ton of resources and PDF guides and quizzes to help move you guys forward. So if you are interested in the functional fertility healing course, there is a link in this week's episode description to check out the course info page and get on the waiting list. So you can be the first to hear when that course releases. So I will see you guys in the next episode to talk more about hormones and testing. That's it for this week.